This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Special Edition Superman Red Sun. Fanboy Special Edition Superman Red Sun. This is the Animated Brain Trust. I am Connor Kilpatrick here with Ryan Haupt. Hello. And Paul Montgomery. Nine. What should I have said? What's hello in da, Russian? Das Vidanya. That's goodbye, isn't it? Yes, that's goodbye. Spasiva. Minyazunvut Ryan. Hello, everyone. We're here to talk about Superman Red Sun, the 37th question mark movie from the DC Universe animated original film line. Spoilers ahoy. As we talk about this film, which is based on the Mark Miller miniseries from x number of years ago early 2000s like 2002 three 2003 2003 yeah hailed hailed instantly as one of the new classic superman stories still considered one of the best i I think so too dave johnson andrew robinson walden wong killian plunkett the basic premise being instead of superman's rocket landing in kansas he lands in the farmlands of the soviet union in the 1940s and this is a film that takes place in the late 40s into the late 80s, a 40-year span, as Superman remakes the global political reality. And I will say it's a, it's a streamlined version of the story. Well, the comic itself is only three issues. Right. But it's, so, I, I think they, they simplified it in a way that's actually pretty smart. They made some um, smart choices. I didn't love every change that they made. Sure. But I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit as we discuss. But, but in terms of doing doing one of these, which how long was this? Did you reread the comic before watching this, Paul? I didn't. I decided I, I was thinking about it. I decided not to. And, and then I was like, I'm, ju- I'm just going to read a synopsis of the comic afterwards to see. I didn't want to go in 
I pulled the book off the shelf after, but I haven't read it in, in a long time. I'll, I'll probably I read it enough back in the day that I remember it pretty well. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that, you know, got pretty dog-eared by the time I was done with it because I, I was one of the people who did herald it as a classic. And this is one of the ones... You, yeah, know, this yeah, you one were of looking st- forward to this. You, were, you oh, wanted, yeah. wanted this to be on the docket for adaptation for as long as they've been doing these. I mean, I think I wrote a list for the website back in the day mm-hmm. about, like, my top whatever number of stories that I wanted to see get the animated treatment and this had to have been number one so I've been very excited this was produced and directed by Sam Liu who is one of their regular directors and written by J.M.D. Yep. Matias who's written a few of these and stars Jason Isaacs as Superman Amy Acker as Lois Lane Diedrich Bader as Lex Luthor includes Vanessa Marshall as Wonder Woman Phil Morris as James Olsen Paul Williams as Brainiac and Roger Craig Smith as Batman those are some of the major players in the, in the story so it's it's less of a Hollywood star-studded cast, but I mean Jason Isaacs, obviously Amy Acker, pretty familiar to nerds. But I think very smartly, and I don't know if that was just their idea for this project or just moving forward, went with some really seasoned voice actors. Even Jason Isaacs has done a bunch of stuff. I think he's done some video games. I was thinking about it after the movie. Why he did a fine job, but why cast a British actor oh, great, to, to do a Russian accent when they could have just cast a Russian actor? I don't considering know. It's not like I love Jason Isaacs. He's a terrific actor, but right. It's not like he's. It's he's not, not. It's not like he's known for playing Superman. He's not moving in other incarnations. Right. So why not just get someone authentically Russian to do? And that? it's not like he has to do multiple voices. Right. It's the one character that he's playing is doing a Russian accent, which I would not consider myself an expert on on accents in, in any case, and particularly Russian accents, but I felt it was at least consistent, and he seemed comfortable doing it. Mm-hmm. So, sure. I don't know how accurate it is to, you know, either the period or the, you know, like, the, the region of the Soviet Union that he was meant to be coming from, or anything like that, but it felt consistent throughout, at least in my ear. And I thought he was pretty good. I, I, I think there's a nice little scene between him and uh, Amy Acker as Lois mm-hmm. on the roof of the Daily Planet. Yes. And I, that's where I started taking note that I felt like this was very well directed. And I sort of picked up on the fact that these are some pros, not just people that are stunt casted and brought in and have no experience doing voice acting. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's it, it's all perfect performances, but... Everyone felt comfortable, and they felt like they were in the same place at the same time. Yes. I don't know how they recorded it, if that's true, but it it felt like there there were the rhythm really worked in a way that a lot of the previous movies haven't. Well, let's reset. At least recently, I would say. I'm I'm assuming Ryan loved the most complex feelings. I I thought this was Mm -hmm. really terrific. Yeah, I was impressed with it. I really liked it. The source material story is great. Mm-hmm. And it's a very unusual. I think we're getting to the point now after 37 of these where it's like, if it's different, it's first of all, it's already starts off in the right place because, you know, you get a lot of these that are somewhat repetitive in some ways. This is a very different kind of story. It's a period piece, it's an Elseworld story that's very different from the norm. It features real world. There are like no good guys, really? Well, that's a quite, that was a discussion point I had was who was the hero of the story because there really isn't one, which is interesting. Wonder Woman. But kind of, but she's not in it enough of. to really be the hero. Right. She's not the protagonist, certainly. And then there are some terrific, exciting set pieces and action sequences, particularly the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman fight, I thought was mm-hmm. the highlight of the action sequences. But there's long sequences of this, basically just a drama. 
with Superman yeah. as the leader of the Soviet Union dealing with that. And it was really interesting to watch in that sense. I love the book, and I know there were changes made. Particularly, I was really curious to see how they'd handle the ending, which they changed completely. Yes. But on its own, on a whole, on a, as an animated film to watch, I thought this was really terrific. Really terrific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Same. I loved it. You loved I, it. <laughs> my feelings, yeah, my feelings are not complex at all. This is a great adaptation. They made some changes, but they were smart changes. I did miss the big sci-fi twist ending yes. a little bit, but like you didn't need it. No, it's uh, no, it's it's not really. It, it's not thematic to the piece, you know. Exactly. It's, That's a very much a, an ending that is about comic books themselves. And yes. So this was. It's about Elseworlds. It's about yeah. It's about the Superman story, but it's not necessarily. What did you guys think of this ending? Where after Superman saves the day by sending Brainiac's ship off into space and, and seemingly dies, he appears at Lex's I mean, that's in the re- resignation too. speech from the presidency. Does Clark appear immediately or is that in the future? I guess it might be in the far future when he's looking at one of Lex's descendants, but it's still the same basic setup for the scene. It's, well, actually, it might, I think Lois is still alive because I think Lois does catch a glimpse of him. The timeline may be a little bit extended. Like I said, I didn't reread the comic, but there's definitely a scene where he's got the fedora and glasses and somebody spots him in the crowd and then he vanishes. Um, So that was consistent. They're way older, though. Yeah, they just removed the really big twist at the end, which, like, I'm glad that that twist exists. I thought it was a cool idea, but, like, yeah, like Paul said, it's thematically, it feels like a big sci-fi gimmick more than it feels like a part of this story. Should we, we, like, very quickly sum up what that twist is in the comic? Just to wrap it up, though, in the comic... He appears at Luther's funeral. Oh right, right, right. And, and so it's way, it's way in the future. He's he's even he even looks old. Lois looks elderly, and they have a, they have like a middle aged son. So it's it's way in the future. And then the the big twist ending is that Lex ends up creating this dynasty of Lex Luthors, and eventually their last name gets shortened to just L. And thousands of years hence, after our son has metastasized, metabolized, metamorphosed into a, a red giant star, you realize that the future created by Lex's utopic vision creates the world of Krypton, except it becomes the same complacency uh, of Krypton. And it's one of like the, Lex's the sun becomes a red, our yellow sun becomes a red sun. And that's going to, I mean, that's going to happen. That's real. And, and so, essentially, like, Earth suffers the fate of Krypton. But instead and, of sending. They young Cal Hell yeah. to another galaxy. It's sending him back in time, so it creates this circuit. It's a time loop. Yeah. So he he was always intended to end up back in the Ukraine, and theoretically, like Superman is a descendant of Lois and Lex Luthor, a, a very it, distant descendant, but in that same bloodline. I remember when. Mark Miller's talked about this book. He said his original pitch was the only thing I'm tweaking about the Superman mythos is that the the ship crashes 12 hours later. So it's a different side of earth facing where the ship crashed. Right. Yeah. Mm. Which is a great pitch. Yeah. It's, so, it's, a, it's a great Elseworlds story. It's like, it's the perfect Elseworlds. Story. If you're listening to this and you have never seen it or read it, which some people do is again, Superman lands in the Soviet union in the 1940s in the Ukraine and grows up when his powers are discovered he is utilized as a tool of the state first as stalin's sort of right hand propaganda man but also someone who you know helps them build crazy dams and then in a meeting with stalin he he realizes stalin is just as selfish and power hungry as anyone else and so he murders stalin and takes his place as the head of the soviets and that follows parallel to lex luther as a industrialist in the united states with his girlfriend and then soon wife lois lane obsessed with superman trying to 
counter him. He builds a Bizarro-esque clone of Superman. And eventually, he works with Eisenhower. He works with Kennedy, who looked a lot like Jimmy Carter. And then... Mm. And then eventually becomes president himself. With Jimmy Olsen as his vice president. Jimmy Olsen starts off as his FBI handler and then yeah. becomes vice president. Throughout the story, you have Wonder Woman, who shows up as an emissary from Themyscira, dealing with Superman, becoming friends. Slight change in the relationship from the comic, as I understand it. I believe um, in the comic, it is more heavily implied that they had a romantic relationship. Or at least here, Wonder Woman is enamored of Superman. Superman is oblivious, essentially or, asexual in this yeah. in this storyline. In the movie, it's very heavy-handed implied that she comes from an island of all women, and so she does not have feelings for men. Yep. And she just wants to be friends with him. Which he's thrilled about. Superman is, is like, oh, I have to do this dance, and I'm going to have to court this you know, this woman is, is sort of just a... Well, he was afraid he would... A means he would to an for- end to create yeah. this bridge to Themyscira and... Yeah. He was afraid he was going to be forced into a relationship with her, too. Right. So they were all very happy about just being friends. And then, you know, one of the things running in the background is that the dark side of the Soviet system in which there were people who were being exploited, there were uh, dissidents or just undesirables who were being used as slave labor. One of those kids in the beginning becomes Batman and is a terrorist who is fighting against Superman's rule. And that was one of the bigger changes from the comic because in the comic, Batman's parents are killed by agents of the state because they had been distributing Mm anti-Superman literature and Batman sees them get killed. Whereas in here, like, you don't actually ever see Batman's parents die, but they're, you know, suffering you see them dead, on death's door at a gulag, in a secret underground gulag that's on a hidden from Superman. Which, which happens to be also inhabited by bats, which is how you know that that's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. Or you the, see this boy, like, turn around. Or, yeah, yes. Uh, I, think, do they, I think they just call him Bruce in the captions. But, yeah, it, like, if it's not clear that this is the analog for Batman, then you notice that there's all these bats clinging to the ceiling and they swoop down and like, swarm around Superman. And then eventually Luther develops the Green Lantern Corps when they discover uh, Abinsur's body. They, so they, and the Abinsur's ship was the ship that crashed in Roswell, which is kind of a fun little... Right, little yeah. This is a history-spanning adventure over the decades that weaves in and out of real history. Yeah, so it's got like almost like a New Frontier kind of vibe to it. Yeah, and it includes... Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Hal Jordan, John Stewart, Guy Gardner. I think that's it for the major superhero characters. Well, and Brainiac is one of the villains. Brainiac. As a drama, this worked really well. I thought the action pieces worked. Sometimes they can feel tedious and like they're just putting them in because they feel like they have to, but they all worked in the story. We talked about earlier, the voice acting was terrific. I thought the direction was strong. JMD Matias seems to write these really well. Yeah. Getting back to what you said about the action really quick, each of the major action set pieces was sort of structured in a different way. And so they kept having a little bit of variety. Like the fight with the Bizarro clone of Superman is, you know, very Man of Steel, throwing each other through buildings sort of stuff. But then his fight with Batman, like you said, is completely different. His fight with the Green Lantern Corps is like an aerial battle where they're using like teamwork and tactics against him. And yeah, it was just each fight had a reason to be different than the previous fights in a a way that I thought kept it interesting. It wasn't just people slugging it out. Exactly. There was character to the fight. I loved the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. That whole sequence, which was from the book, where Batman has subdued Wonder Woman with her lasso, so she has to be submissive to him. And they fight with their false red suns, so Superman has no powers, and then Wonder Woman fights back. I thought it was a terrific sequence in general. If I have one gripe, and it's just like it's total splitting hairs here, it's they very neatly sidestep how does Batman subdue Wonder Woman? 
mm-hmm. he uses the lasso of truth, but like how? Like they never actually show you what Batman does to like trick her to like get her into the situation where she's just. Well, I think if you see that, then then it's no longer a shocking reveal. Oh sure, I'm just. But part of me is is just like oh, that's that's a little bit neat that you don't have to come up with a solution for that. Because they, like I don't I'm looking in the book and it's not there. It's just a, he's just a. I don't. Yeah, there. I don't think it's, yeah. it's in the book. This is terrific. I'm I'm happy they're doing these. I mean, this was a long overdue one. I think mm-hmm. these kind of stories that you can tell a, a political drama as well as a social drama as well as a superhero drama and an action piece is great. This is the perfect story for this kind of thing. One of the things I was noting while watching it is that first of all, I thought Lois was one of the best characters. Mm-hmm. Yep. I thought her design was incredible. I thought Amy Ackles oh, yeah, was yeah. the voice work. But I feel like Superman should always be in the 40s and 50s because her 40s and 50s-esque hairstyle and clothing was... The eyes. She just looks right like that. Mm-hmm. They should always just do that. I thought all the character models were great. I love Lex. Let's talk about Lex. Sure. Diedrich Bader, an interesting choice, unusual choice. He gave Lex a bit of a personality. Mm-hmm. He was also a great character. He's a very interesting character. I mean, he's, a, he's a monster on one hand, but he's also not. It's kind of interesting. It's the most complex Lex we've seen probably since, I don't know, like Smallville, you know? I mean, and, like, Smallville's kind of cheating because, like, you know, he kind of goes back and forth. He kind of, you know, in, in terms of his, his alignment, it just in terms of a, a consistent but complex character, I thought just really interesting. Because, like, you have, of course, like a preconceived notion of who Lex is. Mm-hmm. But the way he treats Lois, you're like, ah, oh, he's still a dick. But then, like, the way he treats Lois still sucks. But it's just because he's kind of a sociopath right? in the sense that he kind of doesn't understand how to interact with other people. Mm-hmm. And by the end, you realize he does actually care about her. He doesn't, oh, for sure. he doesn't know how to interact with other people. And he does terrible things like the, the stuff with Bizarro. That's the part where he sort of becomes monstrous. Yeah, it's, it's like, oh, man, this guy, yeah, this is the Lex we know. But then also, like, you get to, <laughs> you, you get to the stuff where he's the president, and she's like, remember, remember when we had presidents that were, <laughs> like, even-handed and, like, could assure you? And, and then it was, like, realizing that I'm thinking this about Lex Luthor. <laughs> it was a very weird feeling. The cast characterizations were great. Wonder Woman was terrific. I thought Batman was really interesting. I mean, he was always, you know, sort of a fan favorite in the book because the, the design's awesome. And everything. Yeah, the design is awesome. If it wasn't 70 degrees out, I'd be wearing my fuzzy hat while we record right now. <laughs> What's weird is I saw a video on line that was Diedrich Bader talking about his Batman voice because he's Batman in the Harley Quinn TV series. And also in the uh, he was in the Brave and the Bold, he was Batman. And right. so I was I was confused by the, the, I, I had a hard time wrapping my head around the fact that he wasn't Batman in this but was playing a different <laughs> I got a little confused, I'll admit, but um I thought he was yeah, great as Lex. I really liked Paul Williams as Brainiac. Mhm. Paul Williams, just a, a a monstrous talent from way back. I always picture him as the orangutan from Planet of the Apes, doing the late show circuit, smoking cigarettes, and wearing mm-hmm. aviator glasses with those orangutan prosthetics. He's awesome, but I thought just a really great performance as Brainiac. I loved the depiction of Brainiac in this. Yeah. There was something sad about sort of a neutered Brainiac mm-hmm. when you thought that, oh, Batman defeated him and now he's just using him as like his virtual assistant but then you find out that there's something more going on and and he's he's been playing this long con and like damn that's a that's a really great twist it doesn't get any more classic than Superman Lex Luthor and Brainiac 
and the sort of double dealings in between. That was what awesome. results from all that is the classic, really fun story idea of free will versus an orderly and progressing technologically society. This is the same thing yeah. you, you you look at in Emperor Doom story or in when Hickman did the event, which name I forgot, where, where again Doom took over and. Superman creates this society where people live to average lifespans almost 100 years old and in the in the 50s and or the 60s mm-hmm. and there's no crime and, and there's a, plenty of food and no one goes hungry but on the other hand you you have no freedom and people who speak up against the state are killed and because on the one hand you go well I mean there's a, yeah, got and food and there's Brainiac's talking about the suicide rate dropping dramatically since he started putting this chemical into the water right uh, fluoxetine that's um, fluoxetine. generic Prozac yeah yeah. I had a dog with anxiety. I, I've had to purchase that. <laughs> it's always fun to see that explored in a story like this where, you know, on the one hand, Superman is making people's lives better on a surface level. But on the other hand, he is crushing their their humanity. And it's all, it, it, I thought this was just terrific. I, I'm really having a hard time finding anything negative to talk about. Yeah, what's interesting is so often this style of story, this sort of you know, seeming utopia, dystopia, future society thing, like a brave new world or a Fahrenheit 41, you're, you're always seeing it from like the citizens viewpoint and what it's like to live under this oppressive regime. You rarely get to see it from the leader who really is trying their best to maintain order and do the right thing. And so right. like when that, especially when that, that dear leader is Superman. And I always loved the idea that like a communist Superman is inherently it doesn't work because the whole idea of everyone being equal is immediately disproven by his mere existence. Yeah. Like the fact that he's so clearly unequal means that this idea of a purely egalitarian society has got to be in some way fundamentally flawed. And I'm not saying that that's my personal political philosophy. I'm saying, I think that's the philosophy that this story is trying to maybe make the point of. Mm-hmm. I really like that going back to that scene with uh, Lois and uh, Superman up on the the roof of the Daily Planet. She shows him these documents that are supposed to be proof that what Stalin's doing isn't so great. And there's these gulags. That stuff's sort of gone under Superman's radar. Uh, This guy who's supposedly, you know, like omnipotent, omniscient is not so all knowing. This stuff gets past him. And that's all that's always, I think, an interesting thing with Superman is like, how much is he truly aware of and how much can one person even if they have super senses, like how much can they possibly absorb and understand? How much can you possibly pay attention to? And so like that, that comes into play with um, the Batman origin scene where the kid is like, you're supposed to you know, know everything that's going on and like you don't know what's happening down here underneath. Right. So it's, it's like you have the ability to know a lot, you know, know a lot. You have all this intel, but it depends on what your priorities are. And so at that point, Superman has this like sort of glowing view of what they're doing in the government at the time, what he and Stalin are doing. But he's sort of like willfully ignorant. Listen, Superman's not a details guy. He's a big picture guy. He's a big idea guy. But in that scene with with Lois, I love the fact that they don't show you what's on those papers. Yes. You just see Superman's reaction to it. And I think that's one of the real strengths of the animation and the character models in this movie. They're so emotive and there's so much face acting going on in this. And for really complex stuff in a short amount of time, I think that there's some really economic storytelling going on. And just seeing Superman's reaction to what he's reading without actually seeing, you know, some kind of montage of that. You don't need the montage. You just need to see his reaction because you know 
what his values are at this point because we've been following him. And just to, to see the disappointment on his face, and then he doesn't even say anything, he just flies off. And it's a it's just a great scene. It's almost like a child finding out that your parents aren't, right. aren't gods, they're fallible. Every big twist in the story is Superman realizing that he was maybe a little bit naive to what was really going on. <laughs> so that happens more than once where Superman re- kind of gets his comeuppance by not having looked at the whole big picture, or maybe not even, you know, focused on the details he should have been focusing on. I also thought that in regards to the animation style, I think they kind of did a decent job, intentional or otherwise, of making Superman look like Jason Isaacs a little bit. Interesting. More so than I feel like they've done in previous versions of this. Like, you know, just it, compared to the character model I have of Superman in my head, Mm-hmm. Or even the one from the comic, it felt like they kind of gave him a little bit like longer face, longer nose, a little bit higher hairline. These things that I would associate with like a Jason Isaac type. The hairline for sure, yeah. I think it does a good job matching. So like Dave Johnson's really sets the illustrative pace for the comic. There's multiple artists associated with the story. But I think Dave Johnson is, is that's sort of, you, you think of those propaganda posters. Well, yep. speaking of Dave Johnson, the, the opening credit sequence was inspired by his covers. Like, that was a mm-hmm. great yep. sequence. I think it's not slavishly trying to ape, you know, his style. It's just like just right there. It's like sort of the blocky characters and just in, in that general ballpark. And so I just I, I, I really like the designs throughout this this whole thing. And um, there's nothing like super flashy about it. I think it's just really great storytelling choices. That's why I call it more of a drama than an action movie. Yeah, yeah. There's way more of that. And I think these movies have really benefited from expanding the runtime. When when we started doing this, the films were all about 70 minutes. And now they're consistently around 85, which is almost, you know, feature length. It's like five minutes short. So they really do get to dig in with these stories. I mean, this is a film, I couldn't think of 15 minutes to cut out of this without really seriously hampering it. You know, it it allows Mm -hmm. you to really have those scenes, the the, the conversation scenes that make this the story more impactful. I finally found something that I didn't like about the movie. Okay. According to IMDb, the tagline is, the Cold War is heating up. That's terrible. <laughs> I, that's, they that's... had some good taglines on some of the, the propaganda-style posters when the book came out. There was like the one, like, he is watching you with his mm. glowing red eyes. There's another one of, like, there's only one superpower now. And it's just a, you know image of Superman. Right. And there was some really good stuff. Truth, justice, just, in the communist way. It's I, I could just sort of imagine... I mean, Mark Miller worked on this over the, the idea, the pitch for this over many years. Like he was a kid when mm-hmm. he sort of like started thinking about the the, the sort of the the, hard, the the high concept Elseworlds kind of thing. Sure. But then, like as each little bit slots in, like the Roswell thing with Abin Sir, it's such a elegant like what if kind of story or Elseworlds kind of story. And it's just like, of, it's just like, of course. It's one of the best because it's a simple concept that makes you go and smack your head and say, just Paul just said, of course. Why didn't anyone else think It's like, like nothing feels like a stretch. It's just like everything just sort of like slots in like it was always intended to be that way. It, it's, it's, a, it's a really cool story. And the other cool thing about Elseworlds stories, and I think we've touched on this before, but it's, it's something that I always like about them conceptually. And this is, yeah, this is going to be one of my concluding thoughts is I love that Elseworld stories get to have an ending. Yeah. Yeah. And and wrap up the story for the major characters involved. And it's not... I love the serialized nature of comics. I love the comics. is going to tell this, you know, mythologic, ongoing, forever mutating story. But at the same time, it is occasionally nice to get a story that has a definitive, that's how it ended. Yeah, that's very true. So the last concept I wanted to touch on, which we mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, is 
one of the things that's most interesting about the story is there isn't a traditional protagonist hero character. There's protagonists, but they're not. Superman ends on a heroic note, but he's certainly not the hero of the story for, for most of it. You can point out heroic moments for everyone. You could make a case for Lois Lane. She does heroic things, and maybe her actions turn specific elements of the story, but not overall. You could say she has a very boilerplate screenwriting 101 arc where she gives up smoking. <laughs> <laughs> like that's a lot, a lot of times in in like screenwriting 101 we'll that's like your character it's like smokes in the beginning and by the end they've given up smoking like they're, they're they've given something up you show that the character has gone through an arc through a change you know that's over the course of like that one very short scene with superman but yeah. so i thought that was kind of funny Unless and maybe a little a on the nose character no <laughs> again you had a lot of people doing heroic things i would almost say it's on an ensemble yeah batman murders people so he's not a true hero so like it's interesting that that's what makes the story so complex, is that you've got a bunch of people who live in the gray here, and there's not one who you can point to. They all act heroically at some point or another. Even Lex acts heroically at times in the story. That's why I love the story. It's an interesting, complex, adult story. To go back to the, the Planet of the Apes, again, it's a little like um, Caesar over the, the franchise of the Planet of the Apes, where you start out with an innocent character who becomes sort of like a radical and then ends up being part of the establishment in a way so like there's a little bit of that in superman's arc mm-hmm. yeah i like that it's not so clean and you have insight into multiple characters so i yeah i, I feel like it truly is an ensemble it makes it a bit more mature than your standard you know superman is fighting off an invasion by brainiac and those are super fun stories and we enjoy them a lot uh, yeah. but at the end of the day you know superman's going to stop brainiac's attack and he's gonna stand with his hands on his hips and, and we're all gonna be happy because we love superman mm-hmm. Just it makes this more of a complex story, which makes it ultimately more satisfying. Stalin's still a bastard, though, right? Stalin was a bad guy, and he okay, got yeah. his comeuppance. Before we get to the he end sure of the rating and reviewing, I want to talk about the parts that you guys don't get to see. Okay. unfortunate for you. The special features, including the Phantom Stranger short, oh. set in the 60s. Why did they with, include with, those? Put those after the credits, come on. It opens up with a bunch of hippies in a VW bus. Okay. They are bringing their newest recruit to their cult, who is a soul-sucking demon, and the Phantom Stranger, who is voiced by Peter Serafinowicz, intervenes. Oh, man. The soul-sucking demon, voiced by Michael Rosenbaum, who we mentioned earlier, was Lex Luthor on Smallville. Oh, yeah. Lex Luthor. And uh, The Flash on the old Wally West. shows. Really fun, psychedelic dance sequence. They're smoking joints in the bus. Like, it, it was... It was clear, like, Bruce Tim having the time of his life writing a 60s set Phantom Stranger story. Wow. And some terrific art direction. It was done in the classic Tim style. And then the final sequence where the main character gets away and is driving away, and it, we pan up into the sky, and the Phantom Stranger sort of becomes the clouds. It was, a ter- it was really well done. It was a really fun short. And now yeah, the interesting thing great. I wanted to talk about is the special feature uh, featurette on the next film, which is... Justice League Dark Apocalypse War, which we've, we, we talked about briefly. It's a film about Darkseid finally winning the battle and taking over Earth, and then sort of the ragtag heroes who are left, which includes John Constantine, which is why it's Justice League Dark. He seems to be the main character leading the resistance. I didn't watch the whole thing because they got really, I felt like more than usual into the plot, and I didn't want to know too much about it mm. because it's not based on a story. This is one of their original, this is you know taking place in their continuity. Yes. I wanted to highlight a quote from Mike Carlin, and the quote is, this is a great way to wrap up the storyline of this particular universe. Huh. So I don't know if that means we're going to wrap up this 
continuity we've been living with since the Flashpoint Paradox film 20 films ago mm-hmm. and move on to some, a sort of a rebirth continuity or maybe just not worry about continuity stories and just do you know, standalones, but that was the exact quote. I know what my vote is. I know we all have the same vote probably, but this, I went back and wrote it down exactly because I wanted to get it right. This is a great way to wrap up the storyline of this particular universe. So I didn't watch the whole featurette. I don't know if they talked about that. I know we only know about the next film after, which is a Superman sort of year one story. So we don't know beyond that what they're doing, but this might be, fingers crossed, the end, the tyrannical uh, shared (laughs) continuity movies with their goddamn year one New 52 costumes which they haven't changed. We all still have fun with these at mm-hmm. some level every time. But like the three of us would agree. So they tend to be the weakest. Ones. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. They tend to be the weakest ones. They're the weak links. And we look forward to these standouts. I think it, it's just sort of exemplary of the whole thing that this next one has the name that it has, which is so convoluted. And I mean, it looks crazy and kind of awesome. It could be fun. It, it could be fun. And maybe it ends with fireworks. It, it felt kind of like that JLA story that Morrison did, Rock of Ages, where Darkseid wins and then a ragtag group right. has to get together. So this is like a depowered Superman, Robin, Damian Wayne, Constantine, who seems to be the main character, Raven, and somebody else who are sort of like the last ones sort of standing against the apocalypse that was just taken over I mean, the Earth. I mean, we liked the first Justice League Dark movie. Yeah, no, I'm not denigrating it. I'm just saying if it's the end of these... And allows for more creativity in these films and not to be, you know, have have a third of them tied to this continuity and this character designs and these actors, I'd be happy with that. Because one of the things I liked about the original run was that it was, all, it was so different. I don't think they all need to be adaptations of big stories like with no. Red Sun. But I think Red Sun is an example of them getting to breathe a little bit, which I think is it's a little paradoxical because it is an adaptation, but they always make interesting changes with their adaptations, at least lately. I feel like the thing that keeps them down is continuity and having to deal with that New 52 stuff and the stuff that came out of the Flashpoint paradox yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I still look back fondly on that first sort of 15 films Yeah, where they could do anything. There was no yoke to it. There was nothing tying them all together unless they did a sequel, which I think they only did once with Public Enemy and then Apocalypse. It became a different thing when they got that shared continuity. And sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't work. So we'll see what happens. I'm not guaranteeing this is what's going to happen, but that was the quote from Mike Carlin, who runs these things. So we'll see. Yeah. And I think, like, sometimes continuity is cool. Sometimes yeah. continuity is really exciting. Like with the MCU movies, uh, that was really not like novel. Um, we'd never seen that before. And in this case, it just, ha- it, it just so happened that it felt like it was pulling them down. Honestly, I'm fine if they establish a new continuity, just a different one. Than the it was one something different, using. yeah. Because again, they've been using the character designs from 2011, and they haven't changed other than Wonder Woman's changed. Everyone else has been the same, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah. it's been, when was Flashpoint? That was in 2012. So we have eight years of the same character designs, the same actors the same continuing story. I, I like them to be able to explore different actors playing these characters, different stories, different looks. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, hopefully that's what we get. If it's in rebirth continuity, whatever that means, or whatever's coming next in the DC Comics and whatever's going... I just, I'm very curious to see what happens next is what I'm saying. What is the current continuity in DC Comics? What is it called? Good question. Because <laughs> it was like, even rebirth feels... That's not... No, rebirth didn't end up happening because of... Yeah, this is a different show. Right, okay. There isn't one. There isn't... I mean, the, the New 52 was an unusual thing. There's not like normally continuities get named. These films are clearly set in that. But the, the refresh has a name, usually. Sometimes. Not ongoing, but yeah. like the event that causes it usually has a name. I don't know. 
Yeah, maybe uh, that's more Marvel, like all new. These all films are clearly set in 2011, 2012 DC, right. which is not relevant to what's happening right now. So, we'll nor see. a particular high point to be based off of in the first no, place. No, there was there, there were there were things that were high points. Justice League was not one of them. They didn't make an Animal Man movie, you know. So this was Superman Red Sun. We're gonna rate it out of five stars. Ratings. Okay. Ratings. I'm gonna give it a five out of five. I thought it was really terrific. I'm gonna go four four out of five. I'm gonna go two and a half sickles, two and a half hammers. That's a total of five. Okay. Okay. So it's Superman Red Sun. You can watch it on Amazon streaming. I'm sure it's playing on the DC Universe app. You can get the DVD or the Blu-ray. If you do that, you'll get the Phantom Stranger short and as well as the other special features. And the Animation Brain Trust, which is us, will be back for Superman Man of Tomorrow at a later date. Obviously, it's going to be the second half of the year film, so we'll be back at some point for that. And who knows what will happen next. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm skipping. We'll be back for Justice League Dark Apocalypse War. I was going to say. Which is the middle of the year film, and then Man of Tomorrow will be the end of the year film. It's usually three year. And then uh, we'll be back for whatever comes next because we enjoy talking stay about safe these. out there don't get captured yeah wash your hands what is it he is watching he is watching he is watching he is watching you wash your hands until then I am Connor. 20 seconds I'm Paul I'm Ryan happy birthday song twice 20 seconds wash your hands well I'm just reinforcing what Paul said we're all in this together come on careful